Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your host. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, I'm going to be telling you guys about serial killer Todd Kohlhepp. So grab your fire department coffee and let's dive in. Todd Kohlhepp was born in July of 1971 to William Sampson and Regina Tagg. He moved around a lot when he was a kid with his family, and then they eventually settled in South Carolina. His parents did divorce when he was about two years old in 1973, and his mom, Regina, did get remarried shortly after that. At this time, Todd was adopted by his mother's husband, and so he got the last name Kohlhepp at that point. Todd was known for having a pretty troubled childhood, he, he was just kind of rebellious. I would say actually more than rebellious. Um, so for example, as a child, he would hit other kids. So we, we've got physically violent. Um, he also at one point shot a dog with a BB gun. And one time he used bleach to kill a goldfish. Some trademark signs of a budding serial killer. Yes, absolutely. So more than rebellious, like I said, he, he was very violent. Um, he didn't listen to his parents. It was said that he had a lot of anger towards his stepfather, but I didn't see exactly what the reasoning for that was. His mom and stepfather did split in 1982. He did keep the last name of Kohlhepp. Um, he was still adopted by his stepfather at that point, obviously. Um, so Todd decided when his mom and stepfather split that he wanted to go back and live with his biological father. So to go live with his biological father for the summer. So he went to Arizona and stayed there for the summer and then eventually end up moving there officially in october of 1986 todd at just 15 years old picked up a 14 year old girl and held her at gunpoint and brought her back to his house where he tied her up and raped her did she survive that attack she did he actually after obviously traumatizing her and taking advantage of her he walked her home and told her that if she told anyone about it he would kill her siblings so how do we know about it? Did it come up later or? Well, she actually came. Um, she actually went to police and told them about that. She decided that she needed to come forward. So Todd ended up being tried as an adult and he was also charged with kidnapping because obviously he did kidnap her. It's always weird to me that, to think, I guess reading this, it's weird to think that a 15 year old kidnapped a 14 year old, but it's obviously very possible. I just, I think usually when we hear the word kidnapping, you know, it's an adult taking a child, Right. So he did plead guilty to kidnapping, and this was part of a plea agreement or a plea deal. So they ended up dropping the sexual assault charge, which angered me. Yeah, um, I'm guessing they probably did that. I wonder if it's because that was like the lesser of the two in terms of sentencing, which is ins insane. <laughs> I won't go on another rant about it, but dear Lord. I struggle with plea deals, though, because I feel like it's a way for people to get out of these situations. And a lot of times they know if I just say I'm not going to plead guilty, well, then they're going to give me a plea deal. And if I accept it, then I get a lesser charge. But he did plead guilty to kidnapping and he did end up serving 14 years in prison for this kidnapping. Which, to be honest, is a pretty substantial amount of time considering a lot of the other cases that would have been similar that we've heard about where it's way less. I agree. I also think that I, the fact that he was 15 and charged as an adult, I think is... A, a great thing but it's just odd it's you know you usually see 16 17 year olds charged as adults 
I don't know how many. I can't think of any other 15-year-olds that were charged as adults, I guess. And, you know, typically that comes with a murder case, too. So it's, I'm sure it's not unheard of, but it's just not something that comes up often, at least in our research. So he ended up getting a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. And when he was in, while he spent his 14 years in prison, he did attend college and get a degree in computer science. In 2001, so just after he was released from prison, he moved back to South Carolina and was obviously placed on the sex offenders list. He also earned a degree in business and ended up becoming a real estate broker. So he made a, he started a real estate business called TKA Real Estate, and they described him as a hard worker. And all of his employees said that he was a really good boss. He did make jokes to his employees, though, that was, they did make a note of that he would threaten to not feed them if they didn't work hard enough on their list of jobs. To not feed them. I, I don't, I have no idea. <laughs> That's really weird. I thought so too. Well, I mean, I would guess that they were old enough to feed themselves since they had jobs. I would assume so too. I, but <laughs> he must have felt like he had that sort of power, I guess. Yeah, that's weird. He, he must have thought that he had that much control, which I think is really weird. One of his business partners said that Todd was kind of strange. And he thought it was really weird because Todd would frequently say that he knew where people lived. Like he would just be like, oh, I know where that person lives. Another thing that his co-worker well his employees and business partner mentioned was that todd would frequently watch porn while he was at work and thought it was fine yeah if they're saying it casually enough like that like yeah he was always watching porn then he wasn't hiding it well no (laughs) if at all like he talked with them about he just he was open about the fact that he was watching porn they said that they knew he was a registered sex offender but he lied about the crime that actually put him on the register on november 16th 2016 todd kohup was arrested at the age of 45 years old by spartanburg county sheriff's office they had been investigating a tip that they had heard about some banging sounds coming from his property and so they went to check it out and when they arrived they ended up finding 30 year old kayla brown they it turned out that kayla had actually been there for two months at this time she was being held in a shipping container on his property and while she had been there she had been bound and chained at the neck and her ankles and todd did allow her outside for about 30 to 45 minutes two times a day and he would allow her to go into an apartment that he had above his garage so that she could change and wash herself police obviously find her and then they bring him in for questioning because obviously there's a lot of questions and we end up finding out a lot about todd that we kind of could have guessed or maybe seen coming but we didn't already know about So he had actually kidnapped Kayla, like I said, about two months earlier. And she was someone that was working for him cleaning uh, homes. And so her and her boyfriend, Charlie Carver, had been reported missing in August. And Charlie's mom had reported, well, had been reported missing in August by Charlie's mom. A few days after they'd gone missing, Charlie's Facebook page had posts that started appearing saying that him and Kayla had secretly gotten married. But the family didn't believe that that was actually Charlie making those posts because they didn't sound like the way that Charlie would speak. Some people were like, well, maybe Kayla hacked him and like took him somewhere and she's the one typing all of this. But it was obvious. Well, but it came out later at this time that they were talking with Todd, that Todd had actually kidnapped both Charlie and Kayla. And Todd had then been posting the stuff on the Facebook page to act as if he was Charlie. 
But by the time that he was making these posts, he had already shot Charlie and killed him. Todd specifically said that he shot Charlie because he was a smart mouth. Police then went back to Todd's house and they started looking around and they found Charlie's body in a shallow grave. His feet had been removed from his body, but police were not able to find That's a weird one. Because <laughs> it's not like you're obscuring their identity by doing that. That's really weird. Yeah, I'm, I didn't find why he had an obsession with feet, but at this time, Todd was admitting to multiple other murders that he had committed. And another one was of a married couple, 25-year-old Megan and 29-year-old Johnny, who had been murdered in 2015 on December 26th. So he had kidnapped this couple and had killed Johnny pretty much right away and then had held Megan for about a week before he ended up killing her as well. Um, Both of them were buried on the property and Johnny was also found without his feet. Okay, so he's got something going on with the feet that is probably specific to him as a killer. Yes, that would be my assumption. Um, I mean, he he led the investigators to their graves at this point because he was already caught. You know, he's telling them all of this stuff and so there's nothing really for him to hide. But like I said, the feet of both of these men were never found. During their questioning, they end up finding out about another murder that took place in November of 2003, where there were actually four victims. Todd had visited a motorcycle shop called Superbike in Chesney, South Carolina, where he went in looking to buy a motorcycle. And he did end up buying one, but he wasn't able to properly ride it. It was pretty evident he hadn't drove one before. Went in to try to ask for a refund. And the employee supposedly, according to what Todd told his mother and told investigators, is that the employees laughed at him and refused to refund the money. And so he decided that that wasn't okay. And he pulled out a gun and shot four people in the forehead. Um, Those four people were the store owner, Scott Ponder, Scott's mother, Beverly Guy, the service manager, Brian Lucas, and then the mechanic, Chris Sherbert. I'm really surprised they didn't get him for that one prior um were there no cameras or anything so i don't think that there were any cameras that they were able to pull they did say that they had actually pulled up a customer list after the murders to see because they thought that it was probably a customer that a disgruntled customer you know so they ended up sending letters to all of those customers and they sent one to todd as well to try to find out any sort of information about the murders but Obviously, Todd never responded. I'm not sure how much response they got from that. Yeah, this seems like a weird way to go about it. Like, do you think they would, like, go talk to them physically instead of sending a letter? You would think they must not have had the manpower to be able to do that at the time. And, yeah. So, and maybe what they did is they were waiting to see what people said. And then based on what people said, they went and talked to them. So, while they were investigating Todd, they found that he had a plan for Kayla, um, the girl that he'd been keeping on his property for two months at this point. And... His plan was to build a house on his 96-acre farm, and in this house, he was going to build a soundproof room that he was going to stick Kayla in to live in. This case sounds super familiar. Well, so it might. I haven't gotten to the part that a lot of people know about, like that he's more known for. Okay. Um, So when I get to that, which is going to be at the end, you might be like, oh, that's why this guy sounds familiar. Okay. Because that piece is what I know him for. So on November 4th, 2016, a which was right around the time of Todd's arrest, a woman did come forward and said and told the sheriff's office that Todd had raped her 
And she said that this rape had taken place between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. on September 29th, 2005. It was discovered that this assault had not been reported in 2005 when it originally happened. And police kind of looked into it further and realized that the house that she was saying it occurred in had not been purchased by Todd until 2007. So they weren't sure how that could have happened necessarily at that house. It made her story a little hard to cooperate just because it it wasn't lining up with when he owned the house during trial todd's mom regina actually testified and said that her son isn't a monster he's just a bad boy and she said quote he wasn't doing it for enjoyment he was doing it because he was mad and he was hurt end quote no (laughs) thank you the mystery has been solved here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. God, that's that's literally probably part of the problem is that he was clearly not held accountable for actions, at least at home. Well, and I at points, he talked to his mom about some of the murders and the things that he had done. I don't know if it was prior to his arrest. I, I didn't see the exact timeline of that if it was prior to his arrest if it was after his arrest that he told her more about it but i almost think that she knew or had an idea of maybe what he was doing yeah that's really messed up so todd was then accused of killing seven people over 13 years and in may of 2017 he pleaded guilty to the seven murders and additional charges he accepted a plea bargain sure again stick with what you know yep and did not end up receiving the death penalty but was sentenced to seven consecutive life sentences. Yeah. With an additional 30 years for the sexual assault charge and another 30 years for the kidnapping. Okay. I'm okay with this sentencing, which yeah. is rare. He's not He's not getting out, and I can't imagine he's probably up for parole at any point in that. No. Um, the woman that came forward about the rape that had occurred in 2005 ended up pulling her charges back when she found out he was being charged for seven other murders, an additional rape, rape charge, in the kidnapping charge and she said you know it, it without mine it's fine basically was kind of what she said um because she already knew he was going to be sentenced to quite a bit of time in prison and you know it could be a lot of stress to go through a trial like that if you're a victim of something as sinister as what she had been through absolutely and the sheriff's office spokesman named kevin bobo actually said that even if she had come like decided to charge him with it and he had been convicted of it he already had life seven life sentences so it probably wouldn't have changed a whole lot right in december of 2017 todd sent a letter to the spartanburg herald journal and said this was what his letter said quote yes there is more than seven victims i tried to tell investigators and i did tell fbi but it was blown off it's not an additional problem it's a multiplication problem leaves the state and leaves the country thank you private pilot's license end quote so what (laughs) first off weird phrasing second i just find it hard to believe they wouldn't have looked into that i would think that they would but 
when they asked him about it, he said, at this point, I don't really see any reason to give numbers or locations. And he doesn't want to give any more details. So, so it's it attention, maybe? That's what it seems more like to me is he's trying to get more attention, trying to put more oomph behind his name. But at this point, he is only convicted of seven murders. And that is all that is tied to his name. Um, plus the additional rape and kidnapping charges. Yeah. The thing that people know him for and that I know him for is during his years of committing murders and various other crimes, he was an avid Amazon user and customer. So he would purchase items from Amazon and leave reviews. One, I'm, I'm going to read some of these reviews. I'm not going to read all of them. There is a link in our description um, if you guys want to go read it. It's the WYFF4.com, Todd Kohlheb's online purchases. Um, so you can go and look at it. But I'm going to read some. So the first one is a Pentagon fixed blade. And his comment or his review is four stars. Haven't stabbed anyone yet. Yet. But I'm keeping the dream alive. And when I do, it will be with a quality tool like this. Um, he had a, he, there was a uh, gas powered chainsaw. Works excellent. Getting the neighbor to stand still while you chase him with it is hard enough without having an easy to use chainsaw. This is just such an odd, like, tidbit about him, I guess. Like, that's such a weird thing to, I don't even know how to respond to it, truly. Yeah, he had a padlock that he commented on. Works great. Also, if someone talks back, you can go old school on them by putting this in a sock and beating them. They will not appreciate the hardened steel like you will. Like you will. Also works great on shipping containers. Ugh, that's creepy. Very, very creepy. Um, There was a shovel that he had purchased and placed a review on. Five stars. Keep in the car for when you have to hide the bodies and you left the full-size shovel at home. Does not come with a midget. Would have been nice. Because it's, it's like a folding shovel that you can just keep. It, I mean... There probably are benefits for it. I wouldn't recommend using it to bury a body. No, let's not um, do that. <laughs> there's another padlock that he got. Solid locks. Have five of them on a shipping container. Won't stop them, but sure will slow them down till they're too old to care. The shipping container ones are the ones that are getting me. Just knowing that. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yep. Yep. But those are just some of his reviews. And I guess th that's the thing. I mean, if, if I read that as an Amazon review, my immediate thought would be, oh, satire. Yeah, like a joke. Yeah, but then there's this guy. And as we know, most of these tools were actually used for what he was leaving the reviews for. And that's just creepier. Yeah. So anyways, that's that's the story of Todd Kohlhelp as a serial killer. And if you want to read more of the reviews that he left, you can. It's in that link. Like I said, I just skipped a couple of them. Some of them are just the same or like he bought multiple padlocks and stuff like that um but prison records show that todd is still incarcerated to this day serving his sentence for his seven life sentences for the murders and rapes and kidnapping and he's currently serving those at broad river correctional institution in south carolina with no date set obviously for him to be released Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. 